0: Well, I want to thank Tyler for leading us in worship this morning. What a what a blessing that always is um, for us each week, just to hear him play guitar and and piano. And, and I'm looking forward to whatever other instrument he can bring in and, and play. He's just so talented. And so uh, maybe I'll just uh, stick a rubber band on a stick next week, and he can just kind of work that that rubber band and stick. But uh, what what a wonderful what a wonderful time. I mean, I speak Jesus. There's just something about that name um and just the great hymns of faith we've been we've been lifting up this morning it's it's just so so powerful first and foremost i just want to say happy mother's day to the mothers out there and and there's going to be a range of emotions today a range of emotions and and i know that i want to thank you satella family i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your love for myself and my wife and my family and the loss of her mother uh, Miss Faye Huggins. Um, what a, a blessing she's been to us. Um, you're gonna get to meet in just a moment my son-in-law, Chris Fowler, who was able to do the eulogy at the, at the graveside and did a, a fantastic job. I don't think anybody could have done any better than him uh, to remember our Mimi's life. Um, he, he did a fantastic job there and was very encouraging, uplifting, and hearing from just a, how long he's been in the family and, and how much of an impact that he that, that she's made on his life. But I want to thank you uh, really just because y- you've been above and beyond and man, your love for us through all this, text, emails, the ministry trailer, the food, uh, the phone calls. its All the stuff that you've done for us this week has just been phenomenal and I just want to, I want to thank you for that. Uh, moms, there, there's some of you that you're going through a first today. Uh, there are other mothers that have already been through that, so you know what that's like to be through the first of not having your mother here for Mother's Day. And then there's some that may have lost a child, and so you know what that's like. And so there's just, again, there's just these range of emotions that hits on Mother's Day. And so today, I want to just continue in this series called Kingdom-Minded Mission. And and today, we're talking about family matters and its own mission at home. And we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 today. Um, And and so if you have your Bibles, I hope you do, would you just go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to look at that. Um, without further ado, I'm just going to invite Chris to come over here and be with me. This is my son-in-law, uh, married our oldest uh, daughter, Jana, and so they have four kids. And so they're, uh, man, they have been in this house and all over the house and in the house and out the house and down at my in-laws. And, and we just, uh, we really do, it's, we just enjoy the activity that they bring here um, and we get to see a lot of different things, don't we, Chris? I mean, it's uh, it's fun that we get to see, um, you know, Little Man. So, uh, Reed gets to hold the remote control and he gets to work this TV right here. So, he's he's doing all that, but they bring a lot of joy to our life. And we were able to uh, have our other granddaughter down, too, as well. My son and, and his wife came down, as well. So, Bristol, eight weeks old, and so we got to enjoy that, too. And so, you know, just just all the, all the stuff that's happening, you know, here with this. And, um, But I wanted him to be a part of this conversation today. So again, we're talking about family matters. We're talking about own mission at home. We're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6. And by way of setting this up, first thing I want to do is pray. And then I want to just, I want to read off a couple of quotes that that have happened in a book that we're reading through in our children and our student leadership um, so that you'll get a, a little bit of a background and context in this. And then. Chris and I are going to be sharing together. And I I really want to hear from him today because I think there's some things that even through this COVID-19 that he's learned and he's been learning is being a father for these many years. Um, And so, and still having young kids in the house and now we have grandkids, so we get to spoil them and send them back home. But uh, you're going to get his perspective today too. And so I I just pray that the Lord will minister to you today. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Um, This is your time, Father, to speak to us, to to really minister to our hearts, to encourage us, to sharpen us, to challenge us, to motivate us, to move us, and to shape us more into your image. And so, Father, there's a challenge as, as we have, we're celebrating today mothers, there's fathers, there may be distant fathers, there may be distant mothers, there may be aunts and uncles or grandparents that are raising grandkids, or all those things are going on, but this topic today that we're talking about today is very, very important. Because we need to be raising up a generation of young people, young kids, that just, bottom line, live out what we're going to look at in Deuteronomy 6. And that's to love you with all their heart. And to make an impact in this world. And so, Father, would you, right now, we, we invite you as an honored guest. We invite you today, Father. You say, well, there's two more gathered. You'll be here in, in, in your name. And so, Father, we, we've been lifting up the name of Jesus in song. And so today, right now at this moment, for the next uh, moments, we're just going to lift up your word, and um, would you just speak to us in this time in your name? I pray, Amen. There's a there's a, a book called Resilient that our children's leaders and student leaders are now starting to go through, and we're meeting on Tuesday nights to discuss that book. And so I want to read a couple of these quotes to you that's coming out of the book. It says, "We have a fierce competition for the souls of our children." Now. Chris, I I know that that's an impactful statement that there's a fierce competition. And we've talked, you know, Tyler and I have talked about this too. And we've been talking about this since we've been online and doing this whole thing. We can't compete with this online stuff. The entertainment industry is much, much better at this aspect than we are as far as cameras and sound and all this stuff. But we have a fierce competition for the souls of our children. I'm going to tell you, he's going to speak into this in just a moment. Because he's going to give us some really good insight in that. Another quote out of the book was, The greatest challenge to the future of faith is the discipleship of our children. And that's so true because we have now become uh, a product of really our parents and generations before us. Some things good, some things not so good. And we're having to really learn God's word in in that sense. But the greatest challenge to the future of faith, listen, is, is the discipleship of our children. And, and that's, that's the biggest responsibility that we have. We're going to talk about that as well. But we've got to really take that serious because, see, generations before us, that was happening. And then you get a few generations past that. And what they did was we grab our kids and we go to the church and say, here, you teach our kids and, and you share the faith with them. And they just kind of taking themselves out of the picture. And so now we're seeing that very well because parents now don't know Jesus So we can't assume that they have a faith or a relationship with Christ. So you are seeing that? You're seeing the brokenness in the homes. Uh, Church, things aren't important. Matters of faith aren't important because they don't follow Jesus. So we can't really, say, fault them for that because they just don't know Jesus. But if they did, then they'll find out that the discipleship of those kids is, man, utmost important in in their life. And then he says this... um, In the book, says, Today offers more than challenges. Now listen to this statement. It offers opportunities. Opportunities to examine whether or not we are preparing today's kids to be a resilient remnant, the resilient disciples of of tomorrow's church. So today they're in our church and we have a golden opportunity to pour into them to be resilient Christ followers, resilient disciple makers for generations to come. But we also have this opportunity as parents to pour into the kids, but also to pour into the parents of those kids and, and really look at that evangelistic zeal that we need to have to, to reach them. So the big idea today is this. Our life's calling is to make a kingdom impact in our home. Have you thought about your home being that? I mean, besides the, the brick and mortar or the shell of, of, of your home or the furniture that's there or any kind of the accessories that are in here. Have you, have you realized that your home is a missional component? It is a missional opportunity to make a kingdom impact to the culture that you live in? Have you realized that in your neighborhood, this is a tool? This is a gift given to you and to me that we, we have air in here today. We have lights on. We have all this stuff, but we have an opportunity to open up our home to be a missional impact and a kingdom impact to, to this community. All right, so... Since, since you already turned there to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's look at verses 4 through 9. 4 through 9, and then we're going to, then, then Chris and I are going to just have a dialogue together. And I'm just going to ask you just to, to pull in with us and, and lean into the, into the conversation and just that we're in your home and we're sitting on the sofa and we're just having this conversation today. So here it is, Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Again, the big idea, our life's calling is to make a kingdom impact in our home. And he's saying, listen, Lord, listen, Israel, people, the Lord God is one. Man, love him with everything that you have. And see, once upon a time, Moses was up on that mountain, and and everything was etched in stone from what God gave him. He says, now listen, it's not etched in stone. He says, write them on your heart. Write them on your heart. Live them out and repeat them to your children. Well, repeating them... You've got to have several things in place to repeat them. You've got to have that time and, and investment. You've got to look at that as being important. He says, talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Well, that that to me is a 24-7 kind of thing, right? So conversation begins like this between Chris and I today. Here's, here's what I was looking at. I, I, we, we've talked about COVID-19. We said, what have we been learning? okay. We've been asking these these questions, so two of the questions of many that I just want to jump into today was, what have we been learning? What has the Lord been teaching us? And so, let's just jump in there, Chris, and let's talk about the, what what have you been learning or what has the Lord been teaching you in COVID-19 about making a kingdom impact in your home and and on this text? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is we we have to hold intention and acknowledge the reality that there's been a lot of loss of life and loss of jobs and loss of income and the economy is is struggling and uh, there are a lot of negative effects of this and we have to hold that intention with the fact that uh, it's been a gift we've been given this gift of less distraction less hurry less Uh, To do and and it's even forced us into our homes and we're seeing the gift of how much time we actually do Have and so we're quick to say I'm out of time. I'm too busy And the reality is what what we're what I've been learning is I've put other things as a higher priority Than what should be of the highest priority, right? So when we think about that and you think about well, I don't know how to I don't know how to disciple my kids. I don't have time to do that. We're on the run, we've got sports, we've got extracurriculars and piano and dance. We've got all of these extra things that are going on. So we don't have time. We don't even have a meal together anymore. Now we're in the middle of this uh, fourth season in some ways of, of sabbatical, of Sabbath, of, of rest, of of more time at home where our families and we're sharing meals together around the table, or maybe it's around the living room sitting on the sofa or whatever it is. But we we recognize just how much time we
0: actually have and we can actually give. That's awesome. In and, and time, we, we talked about this about a week ago. Time is important. I mean, Lord teaches to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, and yeah. that's what you're saying. Yeah. Is that hey, even though there's been loss of life, there's been job loss, there's, there's all these bad things. The, the, the really good things are the fact that we've, now we've been uh, put into an incubation stage with each other to live this whole thing out and to teach and grow and have that time together, which is so good. Yeah. I, I've heard, I've, and I, I know you have too, we talked about this last night and said, you know, here's some phrases that I've heard over the, these last several weeks. I just want this COVID night thing, thing to be over. I was just Can it just be over? I just want to be over. I mean, Tyler, I'm sure you haven't heard that at all, have you? I mean, not one time. Um, I, how about this one? I'm ready to get back to normal. And, and I kind of laugh because John Ortberg wrote a book years ago, and, and he says, everyone is normal until you get to know them, <laughs> which is so true. So what is normal? I mean, this is not person, but this is just in our situation in our life. But what is normal? And, and then the question is, what will the new normal be? And I think many of us don't really know to, this, to the extent of what the new normal is going to be. But I do know this. Deuteronomy 6 gives us a great nugget from the Lord for us to impress upon the lives of the people that we're in contact with, that we live with, that we're raising, that we're in contact with all, all across the world, that if we did this, that would be the new normal if we could take that. Um, one of the speaking of John Ortberg, he he was a, a pastor at a church, large church, Willow Creek Community in Barrington, Illinois, and I remember him saying this years ago. He said um, he he was just got on staff, he hadn't been there very long, and they're running about twenty some odd thousand people on the weekends, multiple services, and he's, he he called up a a good friend and theologian and philosopher and all this, and and his name is Dallas Willard, and, and he said this. He called up Dallas. He said, "Hey, listen, I I I've just embarked on a new journey with this church, and I'm." I've got my pencil sharpened. I've got my paper in hand. I'm about to write this. I, I'm, I'm gleaning wisdom from you today, Dallas. I want to hear from you, Dallas. Well, what, what, what do I need to do? And he said, there's just a little bit of a pause, and he says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Okay, so he jotted that thing down on this piece of paper. and okay, Good, check, got it. He goes, all right, Dallas, what's next? And after that pregnant pause ended, Dallas said, there isn't anything else. So Dallas's wisdom to us was you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Listen, if we're going to take this the, the text that we've just read seriously, love the Lord to God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, these words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart and repeat them to your children. Guess what? There's no hurry in that. Hurry up kids, let's, let's, hey, hey, here's, here's a verse, hey, time to go. You, there, there's no hurry in this. And and, and he's saying, listen, you got to repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. I mean, this there is no hurry. It's it's So it leads us to two words. And I, I want you to speak about these two words. You have them in your outline. There's two words, there's an A and B. And these are some words we landed on last night on this. But it, it, based off this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So what, what are those two words?
1: Yeah, so the, those two words are margin and intentionality. And the reality is if we live in this constant pace that we've been living in, kind of culturally speaking, maybe not everybody, uh, but, but by and large, we're always in a hurry. We're always busy, we're rushing out the door to go to the next thing, we're trying to get through our to-do list at work, or we're just around the house rushing around, we're trying to get the kids out the door, or uh, the kids are trying to get us out the door. Either way, it's always such a hurry, and in that, there's no time to sit in, in what may or may not be happening there. And. And so in that, if if we don't have this space for margin in our life, if we don't have that space for time, we can never get to a place of intentionality because we're just rushing and We're trying to find the next productivity hack or the next thing that's gonna make our life simpler, some technological advancement that's gonna be able to make things move faster that's what the world has been doing since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution and the um, You know just that that movement towards getting more done get it done quicker get it done faster So we can turn out more and it, it puts us into that rhythm of pursuing more and more and more and more and more And the reality is the more we fill in our life the less we have space and margin for Jesus the less we have space and margin to, to speak Jesus to our kids to our families to our neighbors and so there's that reality that uh, we live at such a hurried pace, it makes it almost impossible for us to be intentional. So we we end up in a space where we have to depend on the church to be the dispensary of religious goods and services for our kids. Mm-hmm. That we good. we can't disciple them. I stole that. I don't know. I can't. That's remember good, that. That's, wrong. That's good. Um, but well, I was had a pen, I'd write that one down, man. The <laughs> reality good. is, is that 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 is our that is our. Reality. And uh, we depend on the church to do those things, but it's not necessarily because we don't want to or we don't know what to say or what to teach them or even share our
0: own stories. It's just that we don't feel like we have time. Mm, That's good. And I love, I mean, speaking of that, and speaking in the margin, something that uh, Boyd Bailey said of one of his devotional books I read about maybe four years ago. He he said, I mean, and this thing just really jumped off the page. When When you talk about intentionality and talk about margin, in margin specifically, he said this, significant relational deposits are made in the margin of your life. Mm-hmm. Significant relational deposits are made in the margin of your life. You can't make anything of significant value of a relationship without margin. Man, so that's what he's saying. I can't, I can't make that. And so you have to have that margin. It's, just, yeah. it's so so vital uh, to that. Man, that was, that, was, that was strong. It's good. So let's let's look at these three reflections, and I'm, I'm just going to read them. And then we'll let you, you fill in your your readings. These are some things that Chris has been learning through this season of, of, of this unhurried life. I mean, it's, it's been an unhurried thing for, for us, I mean, as pastors. And and so, um, and, and to let you know, man, Chris is a, he's, he's a pastor. He's um, a missional uh, pastor at his church, at, at Fellowship Bible Church. He, he is also um, a, a church planting strategist. I mean, so he's... He's got all this in his head, and there's partnerships around the world. He's been on many, many trips. How many trips did you have planned? Like, I mean, th- that you're gonna be on for this year, like uh, total? Like, I, it was about eight, eight
1: or nine, I think, but there was like 16 people who wanted you to go. You just can't go. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so
0: and now that means zero right now, right? So you're not flying around the world. Okay, so let's look at this. So if you have your outline, the, the, these are the first three points. I'm just gonna go one at a time. Um three reflections about Deuteronomy 6 and based off int- intentionality and margin that, that Chris spoke about. Number one, our responsibility at home should not be delegated to anyone else. It is our first priority. It is our first priority. Talk about that for a moment.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, like I said a minute ago, we we tend to depend on other people to disciple our kids. We tend to depend on other people to disciple us and our spouses and and uh, families and so the reality is we see that throughout the scripture As as parents it is our primary responsibility to disciple our kids to teach them who Jesus is to teach him his ways and how to follow him and how to obey and and so that's that's a, a very uh, very clear mandate from the scriptures for us husbands it's our mandate to shepherd our wives and um, that's that's just clear. That's what Jesus calls us to as his followers, and living in that identity as as family, uh, earthly families. Uh, when we live in that identity, these are these are natural things that we have to do. And and I think that we've just ended up in uh, by our, our culture, uh, we're quick to outsource, right? And we we live in more of a microwave society than a than a crockpot slow cooker right. society. And that that's true of discipleship. That's true of but everything we do, uh, we're, we're more uh, likely to go to that microwave than we are to the oven or, or whatever it may be. And so in that, we, we're quick to delegate as much out as we can and outsource it really. And, and, and I think a lot of that is uh, just out of ease. It's out of burden. It's out of all of these different things that are very real. And we shouldn't just slough them off and be like, suck it up and, and do it. They're just things that need to change in our life and need to be removed for us to do it. I was thinking about this last week, and uh, through some of the things I'm reading and, and a podcast I was listening to, talking about growing up in a student ministry and a kids ministry in a local church that taught us that every day you needed to have your quiet time, and what was part of that quiet time was that you were reading the scriptures and that you were praying and that you were not just downloading all of your wants and desires that you wanted Jesus to fulfill, but that you would be listening to Him too, and that was something that we were taught and. Uh, it was it was something that was expected to follow jesus and man i i'm i'm all about grace right like when, when we make our mistakes it, it that's all it is it's, it's a mistake and we move forward in that we miss a day it's okay we, we pick up the next day and we go back into those rhythms but we've painted that more as legalism and we painted it more as ritual that has no meaning and i think if we think about that word ritual the reality is a lot of people do think of it in a negative way like If you do communion every week it loses its meaning it's not important that's that becomes a ritual and it's like doesn't mean anything and that's possible right ritual in the wrong way in in a negative way can but ritual in and of itself is more of these repeated uh, rhythms and habits that are habits of meaning in our life that add value. And when it comes to our walk with Jesus, these rituals of reading the scriptures and praying and, and speaking the scriptures and the stories and the gospel uh, to our kids and to one another as spouses, they they give us this picture, this sacred imagery of who Jesus is and, and what the gospel is all about and this picture of beauty. And so there are these repeatable practices um we need to change the connotation of that away from ritual is bad to
0: ritual is good for the soul Mm, that's good so when you're talking about rituals i I know you like uh we've talked a lot about rhythms we've talked about all about liturgy and things like that well the very first if you remember the very very first quote that i said well easy for me to get out today. The very first quote that I said was, we have fierce competition for the souls of our children. Yeah. Okay, so we know that technology is one of those big things, and we've seen that played out this week. We see you have Switch, you have iPads, you have telephones, you have the TV, you have all these digital formats, which we call Digital Babylon today. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of that fierce competition for the souls of our children in lieu Louis- in, in of teaching our kids liturgy and how that would flesh out
1: yeah uh, and it's not just kids
0: well that's all of us right you, you look around the room all of us were yeah. addicted to our phones and and and
1: when you stop and you take a, a sabbath uh, which is another bad word ritual that we don't want to talk about right and we we think a day off is a sabbath and that's not not it at all but um when we think about those those screens, what, what they're there for is is to root into our lives and give us a dopamine hit that tells us this is good, it feels good, and I like it, and I enjoy it, and now I need more. Just like mm-hmm. an addict to anything would feel that way. And so in that, you see it with adults, you see it with kids, but it's pervasive with our kids because they don't have the framework to recognize the outside world quite yet in the way that maybe uh uh, most adults do and so you see these things take root and it's not just that like they can't get off of them it's what it does to them emotionally when you do get them off of it Mm -hmm. and they have the breakdowns and the responses of of screaming and crying being mean and being angry, and you know, we had this this week uh, um, over, over this kind of thing. And I went down to Walmart and I bought a ball and behaviors totally changed. We got outside and kicked a soccer ball and they made up games. And, and for two I days see. there was no request for these screens because they experienced life. Right. And, and, you know, I think you, you think about it, you can read it all over about Steve Jobs. And, and he knew what was happening with this, the technology of the iPhone and, and the internet and all the other things that were coming. And he didn't allow his kids to use them. He didn't allow them to use, you know, screens. And in that, we're seeing that it's such an attack. And if there's anything. You know, I think growing up for me, it was all the typical things of the world, right? Mm-hmm. That, that were right. coming after you and fighting for your souls. And and I think that's still true, right? The, the things of the world, drugs and alcohol, and all, all the pursuit of power and authority and success and money and, and being a massive sports star or musician or whatever the dream is. But but one of the, the quiet ones that is coming to attack uh, our souls are, are, are these screens and what is out there and what it's coming to get us. And in all of it, if if you were to take uh, on, on any phone, any device now, you can see how much time you spend a day on those things. So when you pull that up and you're like, man, I just didn't have time to, to do my prayer today. And you look and you spent three and a half hours and two and a half of those were on social media. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you did have time. I think we, I did. I think we all did. Mm-hmm. We just chose to put other things in that time.
0: Right. That's good and we talk about rhythms and liturgy too and what we're talking about is you know many of us i would say you know chris for most of us especially in the baptist circles we've not really been introduced or indoctrinated into spiritual disciplines yeah so like fasting and we know worship and bible reading but meditation another one right sabbath is another one. We've not really been taught those disciplines. So when we're looking at these things like what I mean, repeat them to your children. So what are you repeating to your children? Are you repeating to them, hey, this phone's important, this iPad's important, the TV's yep. important, or you're teaching them about worship and loving the Lord God with all the heart, mind, soul, strength, meaning that hey, Bible engagement, which is really, really important, in prayer and fasting, what does fasting look like in a total dependence on God and meditation? getting down into this, maybe this one verse, and say, God, what are you going to show me into this? Sabbath. Let me ask this question. How many of you out there this week, for one solid 24-hour period of time, experienced a Sabbath? Right? I mean, and it was created for us. Sabbath wasn't created for God. Sabbath was created for us, for man, right? And so those rhythms—that—that's that, a—that's a liturgy. That—that's a rhythm of life that we really need to start peeling into, because I think in the hustle and then in, in the hurriedness and all of this, we have pushed aside the things that really matter. And and Sabbath may be one of those, because now we're again we're seeing another pastor who committed suicide. You know, it, we don't know all the details, but think that's out there, just how the enemy's on the attack. And if we don't just get away with God and just have that rest time to replenish our souls and have that time, it's it's so important. Second thing is this. Let's let's look at this for just a minute. And we're going to have to wrap up here in a minute. Man, this is just so good. I hope hope this has been a blessing to you. All right, so the second thing I've I've got in our outline is the home should be a mission center. It should be a mission center for ministry as you reach out to your friends and, and your neighbors. Chris, what, what does that look like? Or what, what do you think about that particular reflection?
1: Yeah. I think a lot of times we think of our homes as uh, a place to retreat to at the end of busy day, a busy week, and we come home to It's really more of our fortress. It's the place yeah. where nobody can get That's to right. us. And if we could dig a moat around it and keep yeah. more people out, we probably would. That, that tends to be what the way our culture now uh, mm. e- engages with home, that this is, this is my place, don't come into my place and in that the reality is it it should be a place of rest Mm -hmm. it should be a place of safety for our families but it should be a place of rest and safety and hospitality for the world Mm -hmm. and and in that it's also going going back to uh deuteronomy 6 a a place of preparation both Mm -hmm. for our own souls but for our kids as they're going out and so then it's also a place of launching Mm -hmm. and so we think about that and uh, you, you see in the life and rhythms of Jesus, and if we look at it, where should we follow him? We, we have a missionary God who sent a missionary son who calls a missionary people, and he says, hey, just as the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. And so missionary is not just somebody over there in that country doing that thing or this professional you know, ministry person over there. We all, as followers of Christ, have a missionary identity. And so in that, then our home becomes a mission sending place and is a mission house for people to come into but we think about those rhythms of life of, of being sent and living sent with Jesus it's, it's where we spend our most time where we live where we work and where we play and so if we see our home as that it is both a place of rest it right. is a place of hospitality it is a place of preparation our house is like a little church That's and right. it's a place of sin That's good
0: yeah I had a conversation with a, a local pastor last year about this and and he was thinking about their families were thinking about taking their kids out of public school put them into a private school setting or homeschooling and i asked just a few questions why why are you looking to do that and then i said well let, let's talk through this just a little bit i said now think about your home as being that missional center the nerve center for sending out i said in, in both of you know say all your kids all your kids are christ followers they've accepted jesus and they're following him and you're teaching them, right? I said, why not send them back out into the mission field in the hallways of their schools to those people out there to be little Christ and be a light and a presence into that dark place. I said, if you take them out of that, then there's no presence of light. And I think that's what we're addressing here is that this is a preparation ground, this is a home center for us to now prepare, teach rhythms, unhurriedness, a different rhythm of life, maybe spiritual disciplines in that so that way they can be now lost out prepared and equipped ready to go to battle in the mission field daily yeah. and and then also as we're welcoming others in in, in that place yeah. as well
1: and, and there's nothing inherently wrong with public school Correct. or private school it's christian education or home school yeah you know the, the reality is uh, it doesn't really matter when we're treating our home in that way and so there's a pastor in uh, Nashville, uh, Ray Ortland, who talks about where we see real life transformation happen is when there's the gospel, mm-hmm. and there's safety, and there's time. Mm-hmm. So the gospel with safety over time, and if we're providing that for our kids, if we're providing that for our neighbors, then our home does become that place where life transformation just
0: just exudes out for us. Wow, so good, that's so good. Well, I mean, our time is just just blown. I right? mean, it's just I mean, talking about being fast today. This has been been kind of a fast time. All right, so for you type A's out there, I'm going to give you the third point just because I don't want you to go away. I didn't get the third points. So I know how that is for you guys. Okay, so number three, and I think we we can all just look at this. Our homes should be grounded in a life of prayer, and I think that's really what it is. So what I want to do, we have we have a closing in like four minutes. I want Chris to close us in prayer. Then I want Tyler to play and sing through to to finish us off with there's something about that name. In that particular lyric it says kings and kingdoms will all what, pass away, but there's something about that name. Chris leads.
1: Yeah, and just one one little thing. I know it's easy to sit and hear people talk about these things and think they have it all together. We don't have it all together. But but there's one thing that my wife does. Uh, My kids have an amazing mother. And one of the things that she does every morning before school is before we walk out the door to go get on the bus, she sits with them, she reads the verse of the day, and she prays with them. And it's as simple as that. We don't have to be theological scholars to do it. It's just faithfulness to into those rhythms that Jesus used and he taught his disciples and he called us to use and so uh, take that as just a simple way not those rote memory prayers that we have over meals that become uh, just routine and mundane but but those that are real and focusing on the importance of the gospel and of Jesus father today God, I thank you uh, for the gift of uh, technology Uh, Lord, as we talked about how it can assault us and come after us, but God, it it also allows us the opportunity to to praise and worship you today and to gather together virtually from all over. So, Father, we thank you for that, but God, we also thank you most importantly for your son. We thank you that you sent him for us, not those who were well, but those who were sick, those who were broken, those who are clearly not Uh, in right relationship with you, but through his perfect life, he lived the life we couldn't and died the death we should have, but to pay the debt we never could. And so God, we thank you for that, Lord. And and now as we try to walk in his unhurried ways, that there's margin in our life, that there's intentionality in our life, Father, would you allow us to to just take a minute and to breathe that in, to experience it, to live it, and to live out the gospel that you've to. Father, would you be with each and every person and each and every family uh, who are here today? God, would you, would you help them to see the margin that's in their life, and would you help them to embrace that way of life that you lived and showed us how to follow you? It's in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.